the audacity of this woman to run over in glee at a funeral. Well, well, well. <laughs> well, well, well. Who do we have here? It's just us. The usual suspects, <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling good. Yeah. I sound like a 13-year-old boy once again. I'm feeling good. <laughs> I'm feeling great. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, welcome back to Pod Girl Summer. Hey, Pod Girl Summer talking Iced tea. We're talking Long Island iced teas. Ooh. We're talking swim. Do you remember when there's like a huge trend to have like an insane shaped inflatable pool float? Oh yeah, like the giant like unicorns, and then there was like the the pretzel. Yeah, yeah totally, totally. Yeah. That was huge in like 2018, 2019. Oh yeah, that was all the rage. Blow those babies up again because it's Pod Girl Summer. Hell yes. Um, exciting news for those of us here in Toronto next week. Well, I guess by the time this comes out, it will be this week. Mm -hmm. We are going into phase three, which means that indoor stuff will be able to happen Whoa. again. I'm like, oh my God, can I go see a movie or like be <gasps> in inside theaters? somewhere? We should maybe, if you can go inside, do like a movie, like a recent movie. Ooh. Bonus episode only. So don't get any ideas. Bonus episode on Zola. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. I loved Zola. It's really, really good. I, I want to see it so bad. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Vaxxed, ready to go. Or vaxxed, we're waxed, we're, I don't know what the next thing is. Vaxxed, I don't, yeah, I don't know. But. <laughs> About a fax machine, anyways. <laughs> but um, that's super exciting. It's pretty crazy mm -hmm. to go back indoors, especially like. Now in New York, it's like if you have a vaccine mm -hmm. and even if you don't in some places, like it's okay to take your mask off. Yeah. I have realized now that things have opened back up, I've always been afraid of like planes and like mm -hmm. trains kind of like I had. Like, and automobiles. <laughs> <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is I realized how claustrophobic I get and sometimes, like, since things have reopened, I will, like, go into a store and freak the fuck out and be like, Phil, we got to leave. Yeah. We got to get out of here. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's really wild. I keep forgetting that I am vaccinated and have been for, like, weeks because yeah. my lifestyle has not changed in the slightest. Like, mm -hmm. I went to one patio to have drinks two weeks ago, and that's literally it. Other than that, I still just stay home all the time. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I am protected i forget yeah so it's gonna be weird as things start to go to a new normal but hopefully that means i can travel soon and Whoa. then i can come to new york Whoa. and we can see each other for the first time in like a year and a half pretty maybe. crazy <laughs> pretty crazy yeah um but speaking of travel we have quite the the travel filled movie for oh. you guys this week oh clever we are doing the 2008 classic, y'all. It is a classic. It is. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants 2. We had to do it. We did number one last summer. Yeah. Had to bring it back. Didn't cry as much in this one as the first one, but I did shed a couple of tears, as I always do. The themes are more intense than I remember. 
it's not a surface level movie. Like they no. really dig in. And I feel like probably in the books, it's like so much. Yeah. Deeper. Oh, well, the books sound like sad. Yeah. So. Yeah. One thing that really struck me watching it this time is how Alexis Bledel only has the hottest male Brother. co-stars her entire career. I had like a prolonged <laughs> daydream about Mila Ventimiglia the other day. And it was like <laughs> mentally toxic <laughs> to yeah. just like think about that man repeatedly oh, on a loop. He's he's so hot. I'll I'll never I'll never get over my love for him. Not only did they do us just so dirty, just so dirty by having him not be in the entire Gilmore Girls series, mm-hmm. but they also had to wreck me again through This Is Us. Just constantly, like, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. (laughs) I need a series where he is present the whole time. That's all I need. Yeah. That's all I need. It's not too much to ask. Yeah. She had him. I mean, in this movie, we have Costas and Leo, Mm -hmm. two just super fine, lovely men. Brian McBrian. Well, I mean, she Uh, didn't have him, but another fine man. Amber Tamblyn, a.k.a. Tibby. Mm. No, Brian McBrian wonderful definitely a respectful king although a little questionable in this film the relationship with lena's younger sister is weird to me yeah that i would love some clarity on everyone's ages because it seems like in this film they are telling us that brian is 20 Mm -hmm. and effie is 16 yeah something like that Mm. and i'm also just like this is a town full of people. And you're telling me that this is the connection that happened? Yeah. I don't love it. But I did look up, I think in the books, Brian is a year younger than Tibby mm-hmm. because I think it's like the the third book or the fourth book where he Tibby is at NYU. He tells her that he got in the whole like storyline that happens in this movie happens and then he starts dating Effie so we can assume that he's like a senior and Effie is like a sophomore or junior yeah and they're like still in high school together but in this it seems like they're making Brian older so yeah it's just not like my fave I feel you I feel you Mm -hmm. those are the three main what was I gonna say oh I was actually gonna say who do you think you are in sisterhood I think I might have said this on the last episode Mm -hmm. But I feel like I am a Alina Sun with like a a Carmen Moon. Yeah. Oh no, maybe a Carmen Rising and like a Tibby Moon. I'm definitely not. Whatever I am, I'm not Bridget. I'll never will be. <laughs> never will be Bridget. I'm not Bridget. I'm never gonna be Bridget. <laughs> yeah. Just I. I could never. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it for me, and I was like, like kind of Tibby, but not really. I'm not as. I'm not athletic. I can't be Bridget. Well, I mean, like you, like work out. You were, you're like a runner. She's a runner. She's a drag star. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like Bridget and I share a lot of like similar moods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even feel really connected to Tibby. I don't know why I said her. I think like she and I have very different personalities. But yeah, I think it, there is like a combination. Yeah. No one is – it's like that whole thing where it's like you're not anyone from sex in yeah. the city. None of them. You're none of them. Yeah. 
a la the Chris Fleming video. Girls are just running around with Sex and the City DVDs on their feet and getting smoking addictions. Yeah, no, I feel like everyone is is a combination of of some of them. I don't think you can really ever be just one. Even though the girls are all like pretty well rounded characters, like they don't feel like stereotypes or anything. They yeah. do feel like real people. I'd agree with that for yeah. for sure. With that being said. Should we dive into some movie montages? Yes, we have. Count them. One, two, three, four reviews. Y'all really popped off, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, thank you so much. We were just saying how if our confidence is ever low, mm-hmm. we just got to head to that reviews page because you guys so are good. so nice to us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank we're you. Like we have the best listeners ever. We do. So let's kick it off. With Miss Josie Grossy, mm-hmm. but not Grossy, Miss Amazing. <laughs> so we took a look at your Instagram, mm-hmm. we got your chart, we factored it all in, and we were getting some just like really big clueless vibes off of you. Like clueless the movie, not yeah. not that you are clueless. You seem like a very together person. And a lot of people say that Cher Horowitz is a Libra, Ooh. which is in your chart. Mm-hmm. So we went and took a look at the soundtrack and we selected just a girl by no doubt super fun song something you can party to something you can pop your Mm -hmm. headphones in and listen to as you're walking around showing off your fabulous outfit definitely so we hope that you strut around town today and listen to a little no doubt Mm -hmm. next we have nikki um you actually told us a couple of things that you like some artists who resonate with you one of those being fallout boy okay yes so we did have to reminisce and we decided to go with dance dance it is a banger it's a hit oh yeah you hear that that song come on you're like i am like bobbing my head i'm jumping up and down Mm -hmm. i'm like an eighth grader at homecoming classic classic um but yeah we hope you listen to dance dance today live your best alt girl fantasy Next up, we have a lovely review from Swati. Super sweet. Always happy to chat with you in the DMs. Mm -hmm. And we, of course, took a look at your Instagram. We were getting just such, like, positive, joyful, fun vibes off of you. Good energy. Yes. So we decided to go with the classic I Think I'm in Love by Jessica Simpson. It's just such, like, an upper, that song. Yes. And I was watching the music video as we picked this song. Mm. And I was like... I am in a good mood. Like, Jessica Simpson's mm-hmm. going off. She's doing her little dance moves. So yeah, go ahead, listen to that song. Think about optimism, positivity. Just have a good evening. Absolutely. And our final movie montage song for this episode is for our listener, Macy. Shout out to you. We did look at the gram. Yes. And we noticed you're a huge Naya Rivera fan. Same. Same. Yeah. Rest in peace, Naya Rivera. Yeah, we love her. So we did want to do a little clap back. And we all remember Naya Rivera, okay, singing Valerie on Glee. Oh my gosh, I'll never forget it. How could one? How could one? Yeah. So definitely listen to that song. Remember Naya, what she stood for, her Mm -hmm. amazing talent. And we can celebrate that. Absolutely. Channel her... Her love and her joy within you today. Mm -hmm. 
We just want to say a huge thank you once again for all the reviews. It totally makes our day and it helps other people find our podcast. So we appreciate it so much. Thank you all for the kind words. And if you have not yet written us a review and you want a movie montage song and a shout out, then all you got to do is leave us a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we will shout you out in the next Mm -hmm. episode. Yes. And if you have an idea for... I pitched Pod Squad, but if you have a cute little phrase that you, you're like, oh, let's call it call, um, you know, movies that raised us listeners, the the movie nighters, the <laughs> the Y2K movie gals, like, please give us ideas. We'd love to hear them. And where can you do that? Oh my god, uh, on our Instagram, you can DM us. It's movies that raised us. Or you can email us at movies that raised us at gmail.com. Yes. And if you're into more visual pleasure to accompany the audio of the pod, mm. you can go to TikTok. It's at movies that raised us pod. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to just get a little taste on Twitter, yes. um, you can go to MTRU underscore pod. Yes, you can. Shall we dive in? I think so. I don't think any more fireworks will be going off. <laughs> I um, hope not. <laughs> so, opening all the memories on the pants. We get like a close up mm. zoom of this like embroidery, some patches, some written words. And our lovely, trusted narrator, Carmen, says, For as long as I could remember, the four of us shared everything stories secrets, laughter, broken hearts. So when we found a pair of pants that by some miracle fit each and every one of us, I embellish that. (laughs) Each and every one of us. I just made that my own. Um, By some miracle fit each of us perfectly. We took it on faith. They'd come into our lives for a reason. So we get a recap. They've passed the pants back and forth for three summers. That's right. Three summers have passed. Pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. And they say, you know, it's been through times of love, times of loss, rest in peace, Bailey, and times of change. Yeah. We see the girls all graduate from high school. They head off to college. Tibby is studying film at NYU. Uh, Bridget is on the soccer team at Brown. Coincidentally, also the school that Serena Vanderwoodson mm. wanted to go to. Is it a coincidence? Absolutely not. <laughs> and <laughs> Lena is at RISD studying art, and Carmen is at Yale. I'm like, God damn, they kind of went off. Yeah, for real. So we see Carmen at Yale, and she's feeling, you know, pretty lost without her friends. And she talks about how her mom has a new husband and a mm-hmm. new baby on the way, and everything's changing. And maybe the pants have done everything that they could, and they just have to figure out the rest on their own. Yeah. Um, we do have our first scene at a funeral. It's Lena's grandfather's funeral. She is in Greece. Mm-hmm. And who does she see at the funeral but the sweet fisherman, Kostas? So after the burial, Lena walks over to this like ledge area and he comes over and he just apologizes to her. You know, she says that it's good to see him and she starts to explain why she broke up with him. 
And it's like a very intense moment. Mm-hmm. This is clearly the first time they've seen each other for a while. Yeah. But who should interrupt this moment? What? <laughs> the audacity of this woman to run over in glee at a funeral. Costa's wife. What? His wife. What? Imagine seeing your recent ex. Yeah, because they only broke up like a few months ago. Yes. Yes, correct. <gasps> With a new wife. Mm-mm. I would be unwell. My At like my grandfather's funeral? On the day of my grandfather's funeral. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Fucking, oh God. Why would you bring her? Costas? She lives in the town, I assume. I think like she has to be the, I don't even. I guess. The audacity. Yeah. So just really starting off with a bang here. Yeah. We go back to Yale where Miss Carmen is stage manager extraordinaire. And as a former stage manager myself, I felt very seen in this moment. Mm-hmm. She is on the phone with Tibby, who is filling her in on this whole Costas is married situation. Yeah. Carmen is super annoyed that Lena didn't tell her herself and how she like barely hears from any of them anymore. Tibby then is like, yeah, 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 hangs up because she sees a video store with a help wanted sign. Rude. Great. Carmen then helps uh, one of the actresses, her friend Julia, out of her costume after the show that's been going on. And she tells Carmen all about this acting internship Mm. she's doing at the Village Theater Arts Festival. Okay. AKA a knockoff of Williamstown Theater Festival in real life. Absolutely, it is. (laughs) Yeah. Which you have to paid to be an apprentice at Mm -hmm. so don't i assume it's a similar situation (laughs) yeah it's also implied that like she got this internship because her mother is also an actress and yeah yeah it's in vermont so she'll be there for the summer and she tells carmen that they're always looking for backstage people so if she wants her to put in a good word but carmen's like no 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 i'm going home for the summer my mom is pregnant we're moving plus my friends would kill me if i didn't come home Mm -hmm. so Bridget gets home for the summer. She says hello to her father. He asks about school. She asks how he is. Literally all one-word answers. Mm -hmm. It's clear it's still... They keep each other at arm's length. Yeah. So she just goes upstairs to unpack. Meanwhile, Carmen also arrives home, and she sees that her room is all packed up. Her mom's like, yeah, I just want to get a jump start. Carmen is having a really (laughs) rough time. Yeah. I would definitely feel very thrown if I was going through all that change and then I came yeah. home and all my shit was packed away. Yeah. So the girls are reuniting in good old Maryland. Mm-hmm. Carmen runs up to them as they head to the yoga studio with the boom box and the snacks and everything. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm always prepared. That's what you learn doing theater. So Tibby then makes a joke about how Carmen should help her with her movie that she has to write for summer school. Yeah. Because she failed one of her classes because she was supposed to write a romantic comedy, but the characters broke up. Carmen is like, oh my God, I can't believe you're going to be in New York all summer. And that's when Bridget pulls down the ladder and they climb up into the yoga studio. They've been breaking into this yoga studio for years. Yep. So in the studio, Carmen pulls out the pants, the junk food. She puts on the music and Tibby, shaking my finger at her, Mm -mm. just kind of like calls out Carmen for insisting on like doing the prayer, saying the rules and that they don't need to do this ritual like every time. And then Bridget's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let's just skip it. Let's just keep the same rotation. We've done it a million times. It's not a big deal. But like, it's obvious that Carmen 
likes the ritual. She she yeah. wants to do it in order to like, you know, feel connected to her friends who she hasn't seen in ages. Absolutely. And I'm like, can you not read that from someone you've known your entire life? Yeah. It just like it's a bit unnecessary. Yeah. And she's not hurting anyone. She brought she brought the snacks and the music. Yeah. For all of you guys. So then Lena asked Bridget not to, you know, wear the pants on any of her digs with all of the corroded bones. And Carmen's like, what are you talking about? Bridget then mentions Lena's summer plans. Turns out that Bridget is going to an archaeological camp in Turkey. Mm -hmm. And Lena is taking a figure drawing class at RISD over the summer. And Carmen's like, well, fuck me, I guess. I... (laughs) came home to spend time with you all and you're all leaving yeah so lena asked carmen what her summer plans are and she's like yeah i'm going to vermont yeah i didn't want to spend any time with you i'm going to vermont bye so cut to lena uh she's in her room packing for RISD, and her sister effie small part played by lucy hale <laughs> Okay. She's like, can't you take me with you? And Lena's like, I thought you were going to Greece. And Abby's like, ugh, in August. Then she's like, oh, what should I do if I see Costas? Like, classic younger annoying sister being like, Mm -hmm. oh, your ex-boyfriend. Like, give me juicy details. So Lena's like, I don't know. We agreed to see other people. So you can talk to him or you could not talk to him. And it's, like, so clear that she wants her sister to, like, befriend her. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if we mentioned this. Costas's wife is pregnant. I don't think we mentioned That's, that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Big Because Effie's like, what if I see them and, like, she's all the way out to here? Like, she's pregnant. Mm-hmm. So then we go to Bridget, who is home in the garage looking for something when she knocks over this box filled with just – Years and years and years worth of <laughs> this is so crazy birthday cards, letters, etc. from her grandmother. Yeah. So she confronts her dad and asks why he hasn't told her that her grandmother has been writing her for all these years. And he's like, well, since me and your mother weren't on speaking terms with Greta when mom passed away, I thought it would be in your best interest not to know. And she's obviously very upset. Yeah. Because she has been made to believe that her own grandmother wanted nothing to do with her. She says that he had no right and that she can take care of herself. She's been doing it for years. Sassy. Yeah. So back to Lena. She is at her dorm in RISD and looks through her sketches, some of which are, you guessed it, drawings of Costas. (sighs) What a beautiful man. Beautiful. So then in Vermont, Carmen and Julia arrive at the theater festival Mm -hmm. where they are greeted by Bill, a.k.a. Kyle McLaughlin. Okay. LOL. Monica texted me because she watched it today and she was like, Kyle McLaughlin? But she said (laughs) his name from Sex and the City. Trey. Yeah. Yes. And I was like literally Googling. I was like, I don't know who either of these people are. Oh, my God. That's so funny that I was like Lucy Hale and you're like Kyle (laughs) McLaughlin. Yeah. um, I mean, I know him best from Sex and the City Mm -hmm. as Trey. He's also in like Twin Peaks. He's done like a million things yeah so it's wild that he has this very small role as a director in this movie i'm like did you do this as like a favor to someone it doesn't seem like your usual (laughs) mo but go off um but yeah he's the director for the production this summer 
And Bill and Julia chat, you know, about her mother, and she introduces Carmen to him, and he welcomes her. Obviously, Julia is a nepotism baby. Clearly. Very clear. Mm -hmm. So in the theater, Bill gives this speech to his actors, and he's like, we'll be doing The Winter's Tale, and the acting interns will receive roles in the ensemble with the exception of one sacrificial lamb. <laughs> I the the faux director talk really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> Who will be cast in a leading role and he tells them all that the auditions will begin tomorrow at 9 a.m. and he's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> the stage manager in the front is like, "Yes. Yes, it's that early." So he just says that he wants everyone to prepare a monologue. Julia tells Carmen she's nervous and Carmen's like, Oh, don't worry. I can run lines with you. Great friend. As always. Very nice. Carmen is the best friend. Meanwhile, in Turkey, Bridget is taking this truck to the dig site where she meets the director of the program. I highly doubt it, but if any of our listeners also watch The Expanse, <sighs> you will know her as Christian. Um, amazing, formidable actress. Again, shocking that she's in this film, but... Yeah, if anyone's looking for a little sci-fi to watch, definitely watch The Expanse. It's very good, and she's great in it. Yes. So back to Lena at RISD. She is about to begin her class, sorts out her paintbrushes, you know, gets ready. She's, like, very flustered. Mm -hmm. Why, <laughs> you may ask? Well, she's about to draw a nude figure. Mm -hmm. As one can tell with any character that Alexis Bledel plays, you know, she's doing baby talk. She's very – she's like, who, me? S-E-X? Oh, my goodness. Yes, that. Exactly. Um, so the incredibly hot and sexy Leo <sighs> played by – I cannot even believe the casting director did this to me. Jesse Williams. Oh, my God. Jesse Williams is the <laughs> – male model for the class and he like watches lena as she nervously awaits painting this figure he's like oh i'm guessing you're a virgin <laughs> and she's literally like what <laughs> and he's like to figure drawing and i'm like you nasty little man <laughs> if it were me oh my god if it were me <laughs> How the turntables. I would just melt into a, like a little puddle. Have you seen Sky High? Of course. So you know the guy whose superpower is that he melts into a puddle? Oh my like, gosh, That would yes. be me. I would just be like, I'm wrapping up. I, I'm packing my paintbrushes. Mm. Let's go. Yeah. But yes, so he's like, you look a little nervous. And she's like, oh, I've never done figure drawing, you know, but I've been sketching people my whole life. And she kind of just like rambles about. Yeah. Leo then asks if she usually talks this much when she's nervous. Mm -hmm. And she says she doesn't usually talk this much ever. And the teacher comes up to Leo and is like, okay, we're good to go whenever you're ready. He's like, cool. Just whips off his shirt. Oh, my Super God. fucking hot. Steps up to the little stage in the middle. Um, Lena is sweating. I am sweating. We're all sweating. Profuse. Profusely, yeah. Lena is super embarrassed as she's drawing her her figure and the teacher comes up and tells her to lighten her strokes you know find the areas of tension within the pose feel the contours and she's like 
Uh-huh. And that's when uh, Leo just glances over at her, sneaking a couple looks, super flirty. Finally, the class ends and she books it out of there immediately. Mm-hmm. Back in New York, Tippy is on the phone with Lena. They're recapping the spicy little figure drawing class. Yes. Tippy's boss asks her to check if the DVD return box is jammed, and she yells at him. She's like, <laughs> just <laughs> blah. This is like the worst person you could hire, homie. Yeah. And then who should show up? But Brian, <sighs> Nick Brian, he surprises her, gives her a rose, says, Happy 10-month anniversary. Very sweet. And he's like, I think that we should celebrate. What do you have in mind, Brian? Mm. So they go to Tibby's dorm. Um, Actually, the dorm that Mo lived in freshman year. Yeah. Weinstein. That's not what the rooms look like. No. The interiors <laughs> are, are incorrect. But I was actually shocked by how much of Tibby's exteriors they did film in New York and were yeah, actually the right the locations. real NYU campus. I was like mm-hmm. – there's a scene later on. We'll, we'll shout it out. Yeah. Um, so in her dorm, Tibby is opening a bottle of wine for them. And he talks about how he got off work this weekend because he told his boss he had to see his favorite person in the world. Aw. Tibby is obviously swooning on the inside, though. She can't show it. And he helps her open the wine bottle and she asks how everything is so simple for him. You know, he doesn't play games. He doesn't take days to, like, call her back. And he says, it's because I love you. <gasps> oh, <laughs> my gosh. So they cheers and drink the wine. And they just sit together on her bed. And she asks if since he's the L word, she's supposed to just swoon and get emotional. And he's like, that'd be nice. <laughs> it's like a cute banter. Yeah. Tibby is just so guarded. She's like, mm-hmm. I can't even be affectionate. Yeah. So he like takes off her black bob wig that she's been sporting. <laughs> um, and they start making out and they come to a mutual agreement. He asks her if she would like to go further. Um, mm-hmm. and she's like, Yes, like I'm sure. And they get a little steamy. After the deed is done. <laughs> That's not what you wrote in the notes. <laughs> post-coitus. Uh, <laughs> After the love was made, the post-nut clarity set in. Brian is in the bathroom. Tibby is on her bed. And she's like, you know, even though I am a feminist, I do enjoy a nice box of chocolates. He doesn't say anything. She's like, and I don't hate all poetry. He still says nothing. She Girl is feeling so vulnerable right now. Yeah. She asks if everything's okay. He finally comes out of the bathroom and he's like, I think we had a malfunction. Worst thing. Hold worst thing you could say. the phone. <laughs> Stop typing. Yeah. Pretty bad. He lets her know that the condom broke and she asks when. He doesn't know. They kind of go back and forth about the condom. And Brian reveals that his uncle gave it to him for his graduation two years ago. So it might be expired, depending it, on the brain. It's insinuated. It's old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Tibby freaks out. Duh. And she's like, was I just the first girl to say yes? And 
she goes into the bathroom, puts on her robe, and he's like, I understand if you're worried. And she's like, oh, I'm not. Um, I just have to work on my script. Like, <sighs> to be My man came, I'm assuming he came all the way from Maryland to see her this weekend, and she is sending him right back two hours later. Yeah, and like, you just had sex, you might have a pregnancy scare in your hand, and you're like, nope, you, you just go. It's fine. Yeah. You can process. You can let yourself process yeah. what's happening right now. And he seems like it's clear that he just wants to be there for her, but she mm-hmm. really cannot allow that to happen. She feels like she yeah. just has to shut down emotionally. Mm-hmm. So she like gives him this quick peck and clearly on the verge of tears, but tells him it's okay. And Brian leaves. Ugh. I'm like, what should actually happen is... You both take a little freaking walk. I know how close the CVS is. It's literally on the corner. Okay. Yep. And what do you buy? What do you buy? You get yourself some plan B. Yeah, that's how I know that the American education system does not have good um, sex ed because not once does anyone ever mention any sort of morning after pill. Like clearly they both do not want to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. Maybe the books are older. I don't know. They came out like a while ago because if this movie came out in 2008. Yeah, the first one came out in 2001. And this is a storyline from the four, the third or fourth one. Ooh. So it says on August 24th, 2006, Plan B was approved for over-the-counter sales oh. to individuals 18 years and older. There we go. Wow. I guess you needed a prescription before? Yeah, you might have had to go to a doctor. Wow. So then back in Vermont, we have the auditions for The Winter's Tale. Mm -hmm. Director Bill asks for silence in the theater. And Ian, one of the fellow, I assume, oh, no, I guess he's not an apprentice because he's been in the shows before. Yeah, I think he's a professional actor. Mm -hmm. He gets up to audition. He begins his monologue. Carmen is watching from the wings, and she accidentally presses one of the buttons and uh, causes the curtains to all fall on top of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody rushes to go help him. Carmen is like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Get the curtain off of him. And he's like, I hope that wasn't a comment on my acting. And she's like, <laughs> no, I mean, I wasn't even watching you. And he's like, oh god, even worse. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. Helps him up. Bill gets the technical director to lift the curtain, and Carmen scampers away. Scampers is a good adjective. Yeah. She's made quite the impression on young Ian here. Totally. Next step, we're in Turkey. Picture it. Mm-hmm. It's an archaeological dig site. Um, one of Bridget's classmates, I suppose, digs up a skull and they're like, oh my gosh, the vibes on this archaeological dig are like <laughs> frat i (laughs) yeah well it's insane because they find this like very very old like jaw yeah and like you have to be careful with it bridget's like oh let me see like grabs it out of his hands like takes a selfie with it like oils all over it what girl can't be doing that no so in the evening bridget is like dancing with her team and she's chatting with professor nazreen and so Mm -hmm. bridget tells her that she is searching for the last bits of the female skeleton she's been piecing together. Professor Nazarene is like, wow, I'm surprised. It's really morbid. 
to dig up the remains of, you know, a person who passed away, but it really doesn't phase you, does it? Bridget's like, these people are long gone. <laughs> and she's like, how do you determine when that emotional attachment leaves? How do you determine that someone's like long gone, you know? Mm -hmm. And Bridget says that it's when the last person they know dies. And Professor tells her that she has a lot to learn from the Greeks. It, uh, it reminded me of um, Coco. That's how the souls oh, like in the yeah. afterlife fade away forever when the last person that knows them dies. People love Coco. Uh, yeah, I love Coco. It's a great mm -hmm. movie. Meanwhile, back at NYU, Tibby is checking her messages on her T-Mobile sidekick phone. The one and only. Which apparently by the time this movie came out, it was like already outdated. <laughs> but she has a message from Brian, one from Carmen, ignores them both. In Rhode Island, Lena gets the pants from Bridget along with a bunch of sand from the Turkish desert. And her letter talks about her new boyfriend, Hector, a.k.a. the skull that they found on the dig. Oh, yeah. That's where we get that line, the the reference to Blake Lively, where she's like, he isn't exactly the lively type. Yeah. And inserts this photo that she took with the skull. So at night, Lena goes back to the studio um, where she finds this giant painting. She's just standing there admiring it when Leo comes in mm -hmm. and Lena asks if this is his painting and he's like mm-hmm they actually let me use the studio at night in exchange for the modeling and I have so many questions about this man's financial situation <laughs> because if you've seen this movie he lives in an amazing apartment with yeah. roof access yeah it's very confusing mm -hmm. so she's just like man, I wish I was brave enough to do something like that because the painting is not realistic. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, a little avant-garde using colors in different ways. And they officially meet. They're like, hello, my name is et cetera, et cetera. And he compliments her jeans, of course, the magic yes. jeans. She says it's a long story. And he's like, I like long stories. Ooh. Maybe... You know, you could tell me one over at dinner sometime. So smooth. Oh, my God. Lena does grow, you know, confidence in that moment. And she's like, mm -hmm. I like dinner. Cheeky. I mean, how could you resist? So then back in Vermont, Carmen is sitting on a picnic table in the evening all by her lonesome when Ian comes up to her Ooh. and like as if she's stalking him and she's like, Oh God, it's you! And um, he's like, "I'm, I'm joking. That's my line. Ha ha ha!" And he sits down with her. She asks if she screwed up his audition, and he's like, "No, it's more of a formality because I played Mercutio last year in Romeo and Juliet." And um, they joke about how he played a good death and how a winter's tale is the more sensitive side of Shakespeare. And Ian asks Carmen if she's thought about auditioning because she clearly knows the play. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, I'm backstage. I'm right where I belong. Are you? And he says, according to who? <gasps> My God. Very much a you saw me when I was invisible moment. Mm -hmm. And she gets up to leave. He asks for her name and says that Carmen is definitely not a backstage name. He is saying a lot of the right stuff right now. Although he's not the guy that I would go for in this movie, he is like super sweet. He is very kind. 
Definitely. Yeah. Back in Turkey, frat energy emanates once more <laughs> as they play soccer. On the dig site? What no the respect. Fuck? <laughs> the disrespect. Yeah. Then the ball goes over this like caution, do not enter area. Yeah. And Bridget's like, oh, I got it. And so she like runs over with her blonde hair whipping back and forth, gets the ball and crashes through the floor, like crashes through the ground. Yeah. Everyone rushes over to check on her and Bridget like looks around. She is in this, you know, ancient room looking at relics. She's okay, but she's like, (laughs) whoa, found this ancient room. So, of course, later that night, Nazarin is giving Bridget a little talking to about her rambunctious behavior on the dig site. Yeah, what? (laughs) And Bridget's like, it won't happen again. So, anyways, do you know what the room was used for? Do you know what the room was used for? (laughs) What's the hot gauze? What was the room for? So, Nazarin says that it was the women's quarters. It's where they would spend most of their time entertaining visitors, caring for the children. And it's likely where Cleo, the skeleton, Mm -hmm. the female skeleton they've been working on, raised her children. And Bridget is very taken aback. She's surprised to hear that they know that Cleo had children. And Nazreen shows her this digital rendering of Cleo's body, or her skeleton, rather, and says that she was five feet tall and was around 35 when she died. And based on the shape of her pelvic bones, childbirth wasn't the cause, so it was probably an illness. And it's like, that is a lot of detail. Bridget gets very emotional and tells her that her mother died at the same age four years ago. And Nazarene is like, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine how difficult that must have been. Bridget, very emotional. She's like, are we done here? And Nazarene just tells her to stay out of trouble. So then back in Vermont, Julia is doing her audition for Winter's Tale. She finishes. Bill tells her that was excellent. And they're kind of wrapping up all the auditions. And Ian sees Carmen in the wings and pulls her on stage. He's like... Bill, do you have time for one more? And he's like, sure, why not? Carmen is fighting him every step of the way as he's dragging her on stage. He introduces Carmen. They shine a spotlight on her. She is taken aback by how bright it is and tells Bill that she's not an actor. She just came here to work backstage. Not that she doesn't like the play. She loves the play. Mm -hmm. And so Bill's like, what do you like about it? And Carmen, she's like, the character of Perdita, you know, how she doesn't have an identity, but she knows what she believes in and she sticks to it. And Bill is very pleased by this response. Mm-hmm. It's clearly thoughtful. Bill has Ian read with Carmen. When they do this reading together, she has a lot of intention. She knows what she's talking about in the text. And Bill listens to this dialogue and he's like, thank you. And Carmen walks away. She's making quite the splash in Vermont. In at the Vermont Theater Arts Festival. At the Williamstown, I mean Village Theater Arts Festival. So back in New York, Tibby is walking through the village. She keeps seeing all of these like screaming babies, children, pregnant women. The village do be like that. Pick a different yeah. part of town. <laughs> like, yeah. 
at one point there's this kid who's asking for like ice cream or something and the mom is like no 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 period which i thought was so funny (laughs) (laughs) so she gets to work her boss tells her that brian called for her twice and that's when a woman comes up trying to return a video and is like can you check the fee i think i'm late she's like what did you just say I think I'm late. And Tippy's like, okay, I'm just going to waive the late fees on this. You can leave. <laughs> that was a good impression. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, back to Leo and Lena. Oh, my God. It is spicy and it's not the chili flakes, okay? <laughs> so Leo is cooking dinner for Lena and you already got me, you know? Yeah. How many? Yeah. How many first dates have you been on where he cooks you a meal? I can tell you right now, zero. I did go on a first date where the guy cooked me dinner, but it is <laughs> it was only that one time and he ghosted me. He ghosted me. He made me dinner. God damn it. Yeah, I don't I remember I had gone on like a date with this guy and for our second date, I made him dinner. Mm. And then for our third date, he was supposed to make me dinner. And then he canceled on me. And then he ghosted me. I love men. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but Jesse Williams is perfect. So yes. he cooks Lena dinner and asks what her parents think about her going to art school. And Lena's like, you know, they just want me to be happy, but they would probably prefer if I went for a more traditional life. And Leo lets Lena taste some of his food. She thinks it's delicious and asks for the recipe. But Leo, I would die. I So Leo is like, <laughs> I don't cook with recipes. It's like painting inside the lines. But on the downside, you never know how anything's going to turn out. But it's kind of the upside. And I just want to say <laughs> the bold the bold lines from this man. This man is in college. The actions that he is taking right now. I'm smitten. I'm that's yeah. for sure. I would be I'd take out my planner, I'd say, so our second and third dates, when were you thinking about doing those? So I'm thinking of a June wedding. Mm-hmm. Tell me if that works for you. Just let me know where your head's at. I will say, like, the thought of someone being a good cook is really like for me, it's something that I find really like attractive. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because I love cooking. I like Mm -hmm. really enjoy making a meal from like scratch, from like Mm -hmm. wholesome ingredients, the like feeling of fulfilling a recipe, getting to taste something you made and like Mm -hmm. to see someone do it and to do it like swiftly and effortlessly. Yeah. It's kind of like you know, any type of person who's like working with their hands, it's like, oh my God, you made me a chair. Like if someone made me a chair, I would freak the fuck out. (laughs) Oh yeah. Anytime someone makes something or especially like with cooking, somebody who can like improvise when they're cooking like that. Big time, big time. Music to my ears. The hottest thing I've ever seen. Just like throwing shit in a pan be like, yeah. Yes. And then it all tastes good. (sighs) Impeccable. Clearly, we are Leo stands on this podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I hope I get it back. Yeah, back in Vermont. God, I hope I get it. Um, Julia looks at the cast list to see, you know, what role she got. She got cast as Dorcas, 
in the ensemble. She's a little disappointed, but she's like, hey, you know, at least I have a line, right? And then some guy says, congratulations, and she thanks him, and he's like, no, I was talking to Carmen. And they check the cast list, and she got cast as Perdita. Oh, oh my god. Oh my gosh. And Julia's like, did did you audition? And Carmen's like, no, I mean, yes, but not for real. Like, d- this must be a mistake. That That's insane. And Julia's like... It's uh, it's great. Like it's super exciting. I'm, I'm happy to help you in any way I can. This, this is a big deal. Let's go celebrate. And you can just see her absolutely not. dying on the inside. I wonder with her character specifically, because mm-hmm. it seems like from the get, like she's definitely the type of person who needs to be the number one in a friend mm-hmm. friendship. But yeah, I wonder what the exact moment is when she like turned on Carmen. Yeah. If she had been talking shit the whole time since she got cast or if it was like when we see it happen in the movie. I mean, I think clearly she has a lot of issues with her mother, who is a very successful Mm -hmm. actress who does not give her the attention that she wants, um, especially when it comes to her as an actress. Like she didn't show up to her show at Yale and stuff. Which like sucks. Yeah, that that is shitty. It definitely sucks. And I think that she then needs to get that attention and acclaim from other people. And when others get it instead of her, it feels like something's being taken away. So I think she feels very threatened the second that Carmen, this person who she saw as like a supporting character in her life, have any sort of acclaim. Totally. Moving right along. We are back in New York, and I literally cannot handle <laughs> Brian McBrian on the steps of Weinstein, my freshman year dorm. Yep. When I saw it, I was like, Mariah, picture it. You're going back to your room, your economy studio that you share with two other people. <laughs> And you just see on the steps the lovely Brian McBrien trying to mend your relationship. Yeah. Just sitting there with his his heart in his hands waiting for you. In his hands on his sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe he has a little snack from Space Market. Uh, A muffin. Uh, Their muffins are so good. Yeah. If if you've never been to... New York and the NYU campus area specifically, Mm -hmm. and you find yourself around Washington Square Park. Yeah, go to Space Market, pick up a muffin. This is not sponsored. This This is is just not sponsored, but that'd be so cool. Oh my god, I would die for a Space Market sponsorship. They don't need it though. They're doing very well. I'm sure. (laughs) All yeah. If you're ever just around Washington Square Park in Greenwich Mm -hmm. Village, and you're like. I need a a bit of sustenance to get me through Mm -hmm. a little snack. They do have a hot bar. They do. Um, But if you're like, I just need a muffin, whatever, Space Market is the nips, the tits, the lickety lick. The banana chocolate chip was my personal favorite. That is what I'm talking about when I say muffin. Yep. There's only one option and it's that one. (laughs) Yep. So um, Mm -hmm. Tibby sees him. They go to the park to talk. He asks if she's okay. And she says that she's fine. She's just been really busy. And he tells her that he's worried too. But, like, until they know for sure, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, Tibby is freaking out. So he's like, I could get a job. I could move here and I could get a job. And, you know, it's going to be fine. We have options. And Tibby's like, well, what about my option? What if I wanted the option to take the whole night back, all of it? Oh, gosh. Oh, my God. I 
I would definitely not be feeling good if someone said that. Yeah, I would feel like pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. So Brian asks if she wants space. She doesn't answer. He's like, do you want to break up with me? And she just goes, I can't finish that sentence. Ugh, dagger. Yeah. So he tells her to call him when she can and leaves. It's so frustrating to see because I think I would have done – some similar stuff if I were in her position at that age. But being older, mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, shit happens. Yeah. You can't push away the people that care about you. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially, I guess, when you're like feeling lost and confused. Mm-hmm. Like that's not going to help you in the long run. It's that thing of like, it doesn't matter how much support you offer them unless they're willing to take it. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. Definitely. Back in Vermont, we have Carmen on the phone with her mom. She tells her the news. She got this beautiful, beautiful, she got an amazing part in the show. <laughs> so yeah. her mom asks if she told her friends, but Carmen's like, they're busy. I'll call them later. And Carmen opens up the package of pants from Lena, who says the pants might have a miracle left in them after all, and she'll email her. So Carmen goes straight to her computer. When Julia comes to pick her up for the read-through. Yeah, so they get to the read-through and the stage manager's like, actually, apprentices, the call has been changed to principals only. So you can have the day off. Julia is just cracks. I see cracks in the veneer already. Yeah. She wishes Carmen good luck and leaves. Carmen sits down at her spot next to Ian. Ooh. He's very smug. He's just like, you're welcome. And she's like, did I forget to say thank you? Thank you. Pretending that she's annoyed as if she's not totally stoked to be there. Yeah. He asks how she feels, and she says she feels like a fake. And he says, oh, please, you had them at um high. So charming, this one. Oh, my God. He really is. He then introduces Carmen to one of the other actors. She tells him how big of a fan she is of his work, clearly like an established man. Mm -hmm. He kind of just brushes her off and is like, hmm, an apprentice on the main stage. Not impressed. Yeah. In Turkey, Bridget climbs out of the room that she's been investigating, the same one that she fell into when she was playing soccer. Mm. (laughs) So... Professor uh, Nasreen asks how it's going, and Bridget's like, it's dusty. Um, How's that mortuary doing that I was looking at before? You know, I can go back there if you need any further help. And the professor just sits down with her and is like, in archaeology, it's more than just finding rooms. These people left so much of themselves to find, and that she also lost her family and her home to a bloody war but she's fascinated by what's left. So you can tell that there's like a pretty tight rapport between Bridget and Nazreen. Mm -hmm. Bridget's feeling like this particular person she found hits too close to home. Yeah, Nazreen is like trying to teach her a lesson and have her confront the things she wants to avoid. I want a spinoff movie about her. She seems so cool. Yeah. She has a very interesting life. A lot of pain, a lot of joy. There's mm-hmm. so much there with her character. I want to know so much more about her. I do like Nazarene. I think that in this movie, Bridget does kind of get the short end of the stick in terms of like storylines. I feel like really, yeah, because I 
I like the storyline with her letters and I like her relationship with Nazreen, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's not fleshed out enough. Like we don't get a lot of like dialogue scenes with her. I feel like the visit with her grandmother is super brief. It is brief. I just like this storyline. I I feel more connected to her. Mm, not necessarily connected. I feel more struck by her storyline in this movie than the first one. Mm. I feel like it was just easier to connect to Bridget as a person on her own. Whereas in the first one, it's so much about like her and Eric that it was harder for me to like grab on to Bridget. Yeah. But like this, it was her storyline that made me tear up in this one. But I do, I do see how the scenes are brief and it would have been nice to have like a couple more scenes with her and Greta. Yeah. Where they're talking about them and not just her mother. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like this screen time is like Lena, Tibby, Carmen, Lena, Tibby, Carmen, Bridget. I feel like Tibby has less screen time. Really? Yeah. Maybe it's just because I really resonated with her storyline. Maybe I'm going to have to do the math. I'm going to have to go back in time, everybody. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, because. Again, looking at the first movie, I feel like Bailey had such a rich, like huge storyline in the first movie with yeah. Bailey that it it feels a little less so in this movie for me. I got you. I got you. But speaking of, back to Tibby. <laughs> She's in her dorm. She gets the pants from Carmen with a note saying, Tib, here are the pants. Nothing happened, Carmen, which isn't true. A lot happened. You got cast in the show. Tibby just kind of like dumps the pants on her bed, walks away before she goes back to them, puts them on. She starts jumping around in her room. She's praying for a miracle. She's doing yoga poses. She's like, feel the miracle. Stretch the miracle. Pants give me a fucking miracle. That's when her sidekick lights up. It's a phone call from Lena who's asking if she's okay. Tibby says no. And Lena's like, okay, well, I'm getting in the car right now. Do you want me to bring you anything? And Tibby asks for a pregnancy test. Yes, she does. Back in Vermont, Carmen and Ian are running lines, sitting in the grass. Very romantic. And (laughs) I can't stand this shit. (laughs) Carmen is just gushing about how beautiful Shakespearean language is. And they're like, oh. Yes, I wish people still talk like this. It's so beautiful. It's so awesome. This is why people hate theater people. This is why. It's <laughs> it's not hard to figure out. It's, yeah. it's quite simple, actually. Oh, my gosh. So they do this little thing where they say lines back and forth, and he's like, see how she lays her cheek upon her hand. Oh, that I wear a glove upon that hand, that I might touch that cheek. And I'm like, this is why they hate you. This is why they hate you. (laughs) Yeah, but Carmen is falling in love. Yeah. We then cut to rehearsal where Perdita asks Dorcas for the flowers and, you know, does this scene. She's just like radiating confidence. She is so confident on stage for sure. Yeah, like the stage presence is there she's nailing her lines everyone's like super in awe of her including ian who gets so wrapped up in her Mm -hmm. that he's like i forgot my line and bill's like baby that's what i'm talking about (laughs) 
and Julia is plotting Carmen's murder. Yeah. And that's when Nigel, like the professional actor from the read-through, goes up to Carmen and says, do not go to drama school. It'll ruin you. Which is someone who went to drama school. That hit deep. That hit deep. Do you really feel that way? No, I mean, I, I personally, I definitely needed to go. I, I learned so oh, much. I, do, yeah. I feel that way as well. But there are some people who are like, yeah, I was a way better actor before I went to theater school. But I, I personally don't feel that way. I honestly don't even know how I got in when I look back at the actor I was in high school. But, you know, it just it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. But Carmen is very flattered by this comment, and she thanks him. While she's doing that, she ends up falling through a paper set piece. Absolutely. Um, Julia laughs at her because she's a fake friend before she goes to help her up. Oh, Lord. Mm. So Lena shows up with a pregnancy test at Tibby's dorm, but Tibby finally got her period. So oh, thank God. I know. The relief. So Tibby tells Lena that she emailed Brian to let him know um, because if she called him or saw him in person, he would think they can just get back together and go back to how things were. And Lena's like, yeah, that's the point. (laughs) Yeah. And Tibby's just like, I suck at relationships. You know, every time um, I try to get close to someone, the universe just goes, oh, there's Tibby. She's about to be happy. Better get her. That made me so sad. Yeah. Her delivery of that, I was like, oh, my God. That's how it feels when you're like a teenage girl, though. It really feels like someone's out to get you. Totally. So um, Lena's like, you know, maybe you're just scared. Tibby's like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So then we go to Turkey. Mm -hmm. Bridget sees Nazarin greeting her daughter and her husband, who has just arrived at camp. It's a very sweet moment. She then goes to her tent and starts to read through all the letters from her grandmother. Oh, my gosh. This part is so sad. And all of them, she's like, dear honeybee. (laughs) They had to give this woman a freaking southern accent to pull at your heartstrings. Absolutely. It's like, dear honeybee, I'm trying so hard to help your mother, but she just won't let me. I hope she'll get well and let us visit again real soon. Bridget is crying. I was getting a little misty myself. It is emotional. It's very sad. Like, I can't even imagine how overwhelming that must feel for your whole life, essentially, thinking that your grandmother absolutely hated you and wanted nothing to do with you, only to find out that she had been sending letter after letter after letter, just constantly reaching out to you. Yeah, it's pretty shocking. Mm-hmm. So Bridget then leaves Nazrin a letter saying that she was right when she said that archaeology was about more than bones. And when her mother took her own life, she ran from the past because she was afraid, but it's time to stop running. And we see Bridget taking, you know, the bus in Turkey. She's taking the bus back in the U.S. She's going to see Greta. Mm -hmm. Back to Carmen. Carmen and Ian go out for lunch and Ian starts asking Carmen about herself And this is the first moment that they're stepping out of the work Mm -hmm. to just get to know each other as people. But who should come about but Julia? And she's like, can I sit with you guys? And Carmen introduces her, but Julia says that both of their families are in show business. And Ian knows a lot of her friends from Rada. Carmen's like, Rada? 
Oh, um, Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. Ever heard of it? Heard of a little place? So <laughs> that's the vibe. Okay. Yeah. And immediately Julia's <laughs> like, oh, do you know um, Devin? Patrick. Patrick Star. Yeah. <laughs> He's making his Broadway debut. And she's like, oh, we should totally get a group together um, and go see him. Say like, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, black sheep like we used to all the time. <laughs> like, just doing the most out here. Yeah, just dropping every possible name and connection she can't. It's so off-putting. It is. Carmen tries to join in because she's sitting right there. And yeah. um, Julia just, like, tells her that there's something on her face. This is where Julia, like, really starts to dial up. yeah. Being a jerk, for sure. Yeah, just being fucking annoying. So then back with Miss Bridget Vreeland, she rolls up to Greta's place in Alabama. Mm -hmm. She um, sees somebody working on a car, and she's like, excuse me, sir, and it's Greta. Yeah. Cool granny just working on her car. And Bridget starts to introduce herself, but Greta's like, I think I can recognize my own granddaughter. And she asks if she's running away from home because she has all these bags. And Bridget says she's actually coming home from Turkey. She then asks Greta if, you know, she fixes her own car. And Greta says, cars are easy. It's people you need the manual for. <laughs> and she then invites Bridget inside to go upstairs and get some rest. Greta is full of wisdom. Also, Blythe Danner yeah. is Greta. What? <laughs> insane pretty bold how did they get all these people to sign on for this movie i mean i'm into it but it just seems so far away from what all these adults usually do totally totally maybe they were just like the magic of the pans yeah back to julian and carmen carmen gets back to the cabin she shares with the julia to see her all dressed up and she's like oh ian asked me to dinner <sighs> and Carmen is like, what? Oh. The guy that she's been flirting with this whole time. And like, she thought, you know, maybe he's into me too. Mm -hmm. And Julia's like, ah, uh, I can be so dense sometimes. Like, I didn't even realize he liked me like that. Did he mention anything to you? You know, since you guys are such good friends. I'm seething. The manipulation on this one. Yeah. And so Julia, like, gushes about how great Ian is and how they have so much in common. It might really work. She's like, Carmen, I know you need to get rest for tomorrow's rehearsal. So I'll be super quiet on my way back. But don't wait up. <sighs> Just twisting the knife. Yeah. So then... In Alabama, Bridget and Greta are sitting on Greta's porch, and Greta, you know, says that she hasn't heard from Bridget in 10 or 12 years. And that's when Bridget tells her that her dad hid the letters. She just found them this summer. Mm -hmm. Greta's obviously very taken aback, um, and she's like, okay, well, I guess we can skip junior high and high school. How's college? And Greta asks if she's got a fella. <laughs> and says that she should kick up trouble now because in 40 years they'll tell her she's old. Oh my gosh. So Greta goes inside and Bridget looks at this birdhouse that has her name on it. Mm. And Greta comes back out and says that 
Bridget made that here when she was six years old. Aww. And Bridget's like, I've been in this house before. And it's like, whoa, okay, you have bl- a lot of blocked memories. Seriously. She's giving me yeah. a very big um, season nine, the agent. <laughs> Clay. She's giving big Clay vibes right now. Yeah, Clay from One Tree Hill. She's like, I can't remember. Yeah. The writers lost their damn minds. They did. They did. (laughs) Back to the real tea. (laughs) Just really quick, Tibby receives the pants back because they were returned to sender. So I think she sent them to Bridget, right? And then Bridget is no longer in Turkey. Turkey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then we go back to Vermont. Carmen is in rehearsal with Ian, but Bill keeps stopping her and he's like, stop again. Gave me big time flashbacks to <laughs> many acting teachers yeah. that I've had. Like, stop again. I, I don't believe stop. you again. Again. <laughs> stop. What are you doing? And Meanwhile, like, like oh. every time I hear the stop, I'm like, <sighs> yeah. It gets progressively worse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he tells her that she sounds angry instead of like a woman in love. Um, <laughs> he's like is there a problem because you sound like a woman who's about to have a root canal and she takes the line again he just goes i hear the drill (laughs) (laughs) it absolutely killed me oh my gosh i hear the drill like oh the fates oh the fates i hear the drill i was like christ I hear Christ. the drill. I'm, I'm checking. My insurance <laughs> is being billed. Oh, so funny. I mean, not for Carmen. Um, yeah. Or anyone who's been on the receiving end of that. But having come out the other side, I can laugh about yeah. it. Um, after rehearsal, Iana follows Carmen and says she has great instincts. And he offers to work on her lines with her. But she declines. Just got to follow your instincts, babe. It's the hardest thing to do, though. It's literally the hardest. So then back in Rhode Island, Lena is in class. She is painting Leo, and they're having so many, like, flirtatious glances as the he's tension is palpable. naked. Oh, my God. It's, like, pretty saucy. <laughs> so they meet outside, and he tells her that that was torture because all he could think about was painting her. Like one of his French girls. So they share a little little makeout session, and Lena has to leave for class. So she says goodbye to him. She heads off, smiling mm-hmm. like on top of the world, cloud nine. Yeah, absolutely thriving. And then she hears Lena. <laughs> it's Costas. <laughs> Lena. He just <laughs> just pops up completely out of the blue with a raw fish. <laughs> oh my god. Um. You know, he explains to her that he didn't have a choice. He mm-hmm. had to marry her because of the baby. But his grandfather could tell that he didn't love her. And at the funeral, his wife could see it too, that his heart would always belong to someone else. Wow. And that's when she told him massive psychic damage. There was never a baby to begin with. <sighs> this man... He got bamboozled. Played. He got hoodwinked. He got freaking flip flopped. 
in the trip drop. (laughs) (laughs) Well. (laughs) You know how, you know how in the office there's that one episode where Daryl says that he's been teaching Michael like fake black people slang and it's like <laughs> like flippy floppy give me the sloppy or something like that's Floppity what that floppy. sounded like to me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, overheating. It is too hot yeah. this pod girl summer. My god. Oh no. Uh <sighs> we got to wrap it up quick. Okay. So the marriage yeah. Bless his soul. He got that marriage annulled real quick. Yeah. Um, there's a stain forever on that woman, however, probably in the small Greek town. Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> but he's no longer married. No baby is involved. And mm-hmm. he was afraid to tell her and ask for her forgiveness. But he freaking did it. He came all the way here. So, yes, she forgives him. Costas is super taken aback and she asks if she was supposed to be like waiting for him and Loki were all like uh-huh yes. yes and Costas is like no I just wanted to tell you the truth the sweetest man mm-hmm. Lena tells them that the truth is they left each other a long time ago and their lives are very different now um, and she tells him not to worry but she has to go to class yeah girl is frazzled oh yeah razzle dazzled she's like trotting away in her flats yeah and her little capris and her fucking capris dude yeah meanwhile back in new york city tibby is having lunch with effie who's in town with her mom for the weekend Mm -hmm. and effie immediately asked tibby about brian she's like so you over him and tibby's like um, what do you mean? And she's like, well, would you be upset if you found out that he was dating someone else? Duh. So Tibby's like, Effie, what is this about? And Effie asks if Tibby would be okay with her dating Brian. Quick answer, what? no. In what? Wor- I don't get it. I don't get it. Couldn't be me. No. So Tibby goes to see Carmen in Vermont and... Carmen is, like, going through her lines while Tibby is standing in front of her, venting about her whole situation. This situation being, like, freaking Effie dropping this bomb on her. Yeah. Um, and claims to not care, just be curious. Liza Minnelli. Yeah. Carmen's like, um, it seems like you care. And if she didn't want Brian dating other girls, she shouldn't have broken up with her, with him. Like, Carmen is super dismissive. Yeah. She thinks that Tibby's making a big deal out of nothing, mostly because Tibby hasn't told her the real tea yeah. of why they broke up in the first place. So Tibby says that Carmen doesn't have a clue why they broke up. I'm like, tell her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Carmen's like, do you? So there's a lot mm-hmm. of tension. Yeah. Clashing. Tibby isn't getting the response that she wants. And she's like... I was hoping for some support. I didn't drive all the way here in rush hour traffic to be ignored. But Carmen's like, I have to study my lines. I can't just stop my life. Besides, I haven't heard anything from you in a month. So Tibby asks where all this is coming from. And Carmen is like, the fact that you even have to ask that says everything. Mm. Just so much, the the lack of communication. Like, we just got to talk to each other, ladies. Seriously. Just get it all out. Get it all out in the open. 
So Julia comes in and Carmen introduces them. And Julia's like, oh, the video store girl. Whack. (sighs) Tibby is very hurt by that comment. So she's like, I got to go work on my script. And Julia's like, oh, wow. So you're a writer too? And Julia's whack. Yeah. Yeah. I love this moment from Amber Tamblyn. She just gives Julia a quick up and down, plasters on a smile and goes, ciao, and walks out. The attitude. Yeah. Great moment. So Lena decides that evening to go see her man, Leo, walks up to his roof where he has a bunch of um, artisanal (laughs) pillows and uh, <laughs> candles on his step from twinkly lights, yeah, curated plants, um, a meal awaiting them like a Moroccan feast. Yeah, Lena cannot believe that he did all of this, and he's like, "It's all for my muse." I'm choking. I'm <laughs> bald and I'm gagging. I don't. <laughs> I don't know where I am. Yeah. Um. But he can tell that something is off. And like, Lena, don't fuck this up. But I'm also yeah. like, get back oh together God. with Costas. I'm like, if fine, if you want to fuck that up and leave him for me, that sounds good to me. I will take Leo. I'm free Friday. Are you free Friday? Yeah. Let's go. Leo, if you are free on Friday at seven, I am free on Friday at seven. Please contact me immediately if you are free on Friday at seven. <laughs> so Lena's like, I'm just thinking. And he's like, what about... And Lena says that the idea of a muse is romantic. And she asked if he's ever been in love. And he's like, this is probably the only thing that he says that turns me off. He's like, I love being in love. Yeah. (laughs) And she asks if he thinks there's only one person that someone is meant to be with. And he's like, definitely not. (laughs) No. And... Leo says to Lena that he knows this is probably not what she wants to hear. But Lena is like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. And she just keeps like saying sorry and apologizing. So Leo tells her not to apologize unless she doesn't like the food. And she tells him that the food is great. Poor Leo, man. He just put his heart on his sleeve for this girl. And she's like, sorry, bud. Not feeling it. I do wonder if he's like one of those guys who kind of like just goes all out for everyone like everyone he dates you know maybe i mean yeah it's possible this might just be like his his mo yeah i don't know i guess we'll never know never unless we read the books that's true so we'll never know (laughs) yeah (laughs) got it so we go back to new york where we have a cameo from adrian bailon okay sure friends for life Oh my god. Oh. Is that a little foreshadowing? Oh my god. If I guess you have hear to find this out. foreshadowing, DM us and we yeah. will send you back like a meme or something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Adrian and some dude come into the video store while Tibby is on the phone with her mom talking about how she's gonna be there for her parents' anniversary party this weekend. And Adrian with her boyfriend is like, excuse me, can you please tell us, is this movie romantic? Like, we're in the mood for something romantic. And Tibby's like, oh, I suggest Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake. (laughs) And they're absolutely horrified. Her boss intervenes and apologizes on her behalf, but they're like, let's get the fuck out of here. Her boss then tells 
Tibby not to freak the customers out. He's like, you know what? Why don't you just take the rest of the month off? You know, it's been pretty slow lately. And uh, he says the rest of the month. Yeah. Oh, shit. She's fired. <laughs> yeah, she's she's essentially fired. Um, but he says with her gone, things might just pick up again. <laughs> yeah, and they probably will. Yeah, because she's a terrible employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at Bridget's grandmother's house, um, she looks through photos of her mother as a kid and sees this photo of her mom in like a prom dress. She's like, I didn't know mom went to prom. And Greta's like, oh, she was so excited. She bought 12 dresses and then she returned them all and bought 12 more. But unfortunately, after prom, she went on a really deep downward spiral She slept right through graduation and she just tells Bridget that like Molly had two speeds, very high or very low. I wonder if she had like bipolar disorder. Yeah, I feel like that's the implication. Um, Mm -hmm. We never really find out, but it's implied that she has bipolar disorder and that also she struggled a lot with like depression. Yeah. Yeah. Then later that night, Bridget is sleeping and she has this nightmare about her mom standing in her doorway with a bag, leaving her. She, in her sleep, calls out for her mom and then like wakes herself up. There's this huge storm outside. It's like, it I'm sure is very jarring to wake up to. Greta then comes in to comfort her while Bridget is sobbing. Mm-hmm. And she says she now remembers the night that her mother left her. There was a storm just like this one, and she left, and she didn't care about her. Oh, that's not true. Yeah. And she asked Greta why she didn't stop her, and Greta says she tried, but her mother wouldn't let her. And Bridget's like, but I was always trying. Why didn't she stay alive for me? And Greta says that she was sick, and there was nothing that Bridget could have done to make her better. Mm. This was the scene where I cried, obviously. It is very sad. Yeah. Greta tells Bridget that the reason she lived with her that summer is because her father was trying to get her mom into a hospital because she was very sick. However, Greta wasn't allowed to be in their lives because she wouldn't pretend that Molly was okay. She says that she wasn't strong like Bridget is. And the only reason that she hung on for as long as she did was because she loved her. Oh my gosh, it's so, so sad. Yeah, it's really heartbreaking. It it sounds like it's just, like, I would love a movie that was exclusively about Bridget's story, mm-hmm. just yeah. to understand it more, because it's spoken about in pretty vague terms. Like, I mean, they don't even say, like, her diagnosis or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, it sounds like it was, like, a really hard situation. Mm-hmm. It isn't just a storyline about her mother taking her own life but it's like she had a really big struggle with mental illness before that happened mm-hmm. yeah and um in the first movie it it makes me think of that one scene where bridget is sitting with carmen and tibby and telling them like a memory about how her mom and her made this like crazy pizza yeah. with all these like crazy toppings and they ate the whole thing and how like there were those good days But then there are also these just like horrible, horrible bad days. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I I can't even imagine what that must be like to to go through that with with a parent who's struggling in that way. Yeah. And like even losing a parent at all is so horrible. But then especially losing one to suicide, like I – 
can't even fathom totally how one would process that kind of grief and that kind of trauma. Yeah. It also makes me think about that we don't say this at all, but like they're friends because their moms met in like the mm-hmm. yoga class. So I'm yeah. like, Carmen's mom knew this woman. Like, mm-hmm. what was their friendship like? You know, just I have so many questions. Mm-hmm. That would honestly be a really great prequel, like to see. Yeah. It's the, the, moms. the friendship. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Well, oh my gosh. Can you imagine if, because they've talked about doing like another sisterhood. I think it was announced that they are going to do another movie. Oh, really? But imagine if they waited like, well, actually, no, they could probably do it now, where the these actresses played their character's mother Ooh. in like a prequel. They could definitely do it now. They're like 40. I would watch that I would watch tomorrow. that too. I'd watch that tonight. And it's 11.15. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we go back to Lena's house. She's home for the weekend. And Effie comes in asking to borrow some of Lena's earrings because she's going to Tibby's parents' engagement party with Brian. I don't understand that. Effie and Brian, what is wrong with you? In what world do you think that this is a good thing to do? It's not a good idea in any world. Yeah. So Lena obviously is like, Effie, that's not okay. And Effie's like, no, Tibby said she was fine with it. Besides, we're not even friends. You guys excluded me from your group the like my whole life. So the whole friends don't date their friends' exes thing doesn't really apply to me. She's being really cheeky. But still, like it's it's fucked up. So at the party, Tibby sees Brian and Effie together. She is horrified. Brian decides to go up to her and say hi. And says that he didn't know if she would be there. Sure. What? (laughs) And he asks how the script is going. She's like, it's good. It's a rom-com. So it's an oxymoron. And they like stumble over their words. And they're just like, like kind of flirting, but kind of not. And then Tibby sees Effie looking incredibly pissed off and tells Brian that, his girlfriend is waiting for him um, and she goes back inside. Meanwhile, back in Vermont, Carmen is about to go on stage for her dress rehearsal when her mother calls her and says that she's in labor. The baby is coming early. David is not there because he's on a business trip. Oh, my but gosh. He's, you know, on his way back. So Carmen's like, oh, fuck. I'm, I, let me get there. I'm about to start this dress rehearsal. But mom is like, no, no, no. Do what you need to do. It's fine. I'm going to be fine. I'll figure it out. So Carmen calls Tibby, who screens her call at first, but eventually she does answer. Carmen is like, Tibby, I know things are weird, but like my mother's going into labor and David's not there. And Tibby's like, I'll be at the hospital in five minutes. I'm leaving right now. And that is one thing that I love about their friendship is like, yeah. even if there's other bullshit going on, when it, you know, shit hits the fan – they're always there for each other. Yeah, I think that's like a really cool part of their friendship mm-hmm. that they kind of drop everything to be supportive. Mm-hmm. So in the hospital, Tibby tries to give Carmen's mother ice chips, but she is freaking out. You know, it's a very painful process. Meanwhile, Carmen is having a rough dress rehearsal, forgetting her lines. Like, it's just not going well. Her mind is obviously somewhere else. Totally. 
in the hospital, Christina is being told by the doctor to push, but she's like, I want to wait for David. Tibby's like, can we just wait for David? But eventually tells Christina <laughs> that she has to do this, but she will stay with her the whole time um, on stage. Carmen can't remember any of her lines. Very difficult time. Eventually, Christina does give birth to a happy, healthy baby boy. Tibby is just like, he's so purple. I mean, perfect. <laughs> he looks like marble. Yeah, it's very much like a wide array of emotions. Mm-hmm. She was just having like a pregnancy scare. And now she's seeing like this birth happen. And it's really mm-hmm. like a lot. Oh my God, I didn't even really think about that, about how recent her pregnancy scare was before she's seeing this baby being born. Yeah, it's very like fortuitous, but it's not because it was planned. Someone wrote it. Yeah. So (laughs) Tibby tells Christina that Carmen would be so proud of her and Christina's like, she would be proud of the both of us. Mm. So after the dress rehearsal, Carmen and Tibby talk on the phone, you know, about the birth, everything. And then Ian comes up to her you know, she tells him the good news. She has a baby brother. Yeah. Um, but she's really upset and she cries because she wasn't there and she just feels so far away from her mom and her friends. And Ian says she's just like Perdita. Carmen apologizes for ruining the dress rehearsal. But he's like, no, it's fine. Everybody knows that you're upset. And as they always say, bad dress, good show. I will stand by that forever. Yeah. He then offers to take her out to dinner. And Carmen's like, oh, no. You probably have plans with Julia. And he's like, Julia? We had dinner one time because she begged me to. If there's anyone I wanted to go to dinner with, it's you. Oh, my gosh. Get your bag, Carmen. Absolutely. So inside, Carmen collects her things and overhears Julia (sighs) talking to Bill about how Carmen's insecure she, she doesn't have what it takes, like, using tonight's performance as a way to justify her being a better actress. Yeah, she's so shitty about it. She's like, this is my fault. Like, I, I should have said something to you, but really you know, maybe she just doesn't have what it takes. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Mm-hmm. That's so low. You think that Bill's going to give you the part tomorrow? You're going to get bumped up from Dorcas? No. You're kidding yourself. Absolutely not. Meanwhile, our gal, Bridget, she finally makes it back to Maryland where she sees her dad asleep on the couch. So she wakes him up and lets him know that she actually left Turkey early and went to go see Greta. Mm -hmm. And her dad tries to start to explain himself. But Bridget says that Greta helped her understand so many of the things that they could never talk about, like how he loved her mother more than she ever knew, yeah, but that no one could save her. And she says that if they're going to get through this, they'll need to start taking care of each other. And that's what her mother would have wanted. And they have this really sweet hug. And it's especially sweet because this is Blake Lively's real father in real life. Yes. Yeah. At the hospital, Christina and David, who has finally arrived, lay in her hospital bed with their new baby as Tibby watches and then heads home. But where does she go? (gasps) She goes to Brian McBrien's house and sits on his front steps. He comes out and joins her. She apologizes to him and says that night she felt more than she bargained for and she thought she was being punished for it. 
And he's like, why didn't you just talk to me? But she was like, I can't lie to you as well as I can lie to myself. Pretty deep, Tibby. Very introspective. Mm -hmm. He then tells her that she needs to have a little faith that not everyone she loves is going to leave her. Yeah. And she says that she knows that now. And he pushes her hair back, asks if she wants to go get breakfast. She says yes. They walk off together, puts his arm around her. Tibby and Brian are back on. (laughs) At the Village Arts Theater Festival, (laughs) it is opening night, and Carmen gets a DVD from Tibby with footage of her mother and her new brother. Her mother talks about how he reminds her of Carmen and that her heart is full and just tells her to go out on stage and show everyone how beautiful she is. Yeah. And then Tibby turns the camera to herself and tells Carmen to break a leg and that she deserves her day in the sun or a night in the sun in this case. You deserve your night in the sun. Tibby looks so disheveled after this whole birth experience. (laughs) She looks like she's seen some shit. Yeah, she definitely has. So then Carmen gets rushed to the stage by the stage manager. She's like, you're on in three. (laughs) Yeah. She sees Ian across the other side of the stage. They smile at each other. The show starts. Uh, She looks so beautiful. Like her hair, her costuming. Oh, it's so good, yeah. Gorgeous. She looks amazing. The show starts. Bill is watching from the back of the house. He is absolutely thrilled by her performance. Julia is seething. Get fucked, Julia. We don't care about you. It all goes well. After the performance backstage, Carmen grabs Ian and plants one on him. You go. Go off, Carmen. That post-show adrenaline is pumping through her veins. Mm -hmm. At Lena's house, she unwraps the package with the pants inside. And Effie comes storming into the house crying. Of course, Lena goes up to check on her. And Effie tells her that Brian is getting back together with Tibby and that she doesn't love him. And it's just like talking mad shit. And Lena's like, you don't know that. And Effie is like, why are you taking Tibby's side on this? Lena's like, I'm not taking any sides. But Effie is like, you've always taken their side, even though... I'm your sister. (laughs) And she's just like, I wish I were in Greece already so I could get away from you. How many dates could she have possibly gone on with Brian? Two? In this short period of time. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. 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 That's all I'm saying. So then back in Vermont, in her cabin, Carmen is packing her bag when Julia asks, you know, why Carmen has barely spoken to her, you know, what she got a couple good reviews and now you're you're too good for me? No, bitch. Carmen doesn't say anything. And Julia's like, I brought you here, you know? So you wouldn't have any of this if it wasn't for me. And I'm like, you vindictive motherfucker. Mm -hmm. So Carmen's like, actually, Julia, you didn't give me anything. I am who I always was. And yeah, maybe for a minute there, I was a little insecure. You did everything you could to keep me that way. And I'm sorry if my tiny little bit of success feels like I've taken something from you. But one thing that I learned this summer is that no one can diminish you but yourself. You taught me that. And I'm like, fuck, yes, mic drop. Yeah. Ah, it's so good. This is why Carmen's my favorite. Carmen does love to go off with these mm-hmm. really like sharp 
witty responses oh, yeah. to people who have wronged her, a la the phone call she makes to her father mm. in the first movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Meanwhile, in Greece, Effie calls Lena long distance <laughs> and says that she did something really bad and she's really sorry. She was mad at everyone, so she took the pants to Greece. She hung them on the clothesline and bitch lost the pants. The pants are gone, bro. Yeah. They're gone. So all the girls get together at the yoga studio. Lena tells them the pants situation. And Bridget's like, well, this wouldn't have happened if the order didn't get screwed up. And Tibby's like, uh, I didn't know you were in Alabama. And Bridget's like, yeah, just like how I didn't know about your pregnancy scare. And Carmen's like, what? Like the the communication has just been terrible this summer. No yeah. one knows what's going on. Carmen is shocked. Tibby says she meant to tell her, but they got into that fight. And Lena says that she emailed everyone. And Carmen is like, fuck the fucking emails. Yeah, that would make me annoyed what too. What is going on? Yeah. So Tibby says maybe they should just forget about the pants. It's causing them to fight more. It's not bringing them closer together like they mm -hmm. were supposed to. And Carmen's like, even more reason to find them. Totally. And Lena's like, well, my it's my sister who lost the pants. I'll go to Greece and find them. Cash. Yeah, I, I'll go to Greece. I'll, I'll, I'll do find it. the pants. I'll go to Mykonos. Ugh, I'll don't do make, it. Don't make me fly to Greece. Don't make oh my God. little old me fly to Greece. <laughs> yeah. So in Santorini, Lena is at her grandmother's house. Like, turns out Effie left Athens early because she was too afraid to face her. So then Carmen gets a phone call from Effie, who is in Athens, and says that she never would have taken the pants if she had known what Lena was going through. Oh, yeah, because no one even knows about that shit either. Mm -mm. So on the porch, Carmen tells the girls the whole story about Lena and Costas at RISD, etc., etc., and they wish that she had told them. But the bigger idea is that she shouldn't have to. I don't yeah. know exactly what that means. I think she means like we should have known that like something was up. Yeah. 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 In Greece, Lena asks her grandmother how to say lost pants in Greek. And her grandmother's like, Greek girls do not lose their pants. She's disgusted and abhorred. <laughs> yeah. Lena is making a little poster with a drawing of the pants, trying to find them. Mm-hmm. And that's when we see the girls arrive fresh off the boat. They take the donkeys. They head up the steps. Tibby falls off the donkey. Mm -hmm. But they throw open the door. Bridget yells, Oppa! And they all say hello. She's shocked. Turns out that Carmen's stepdad had frequent flyer miles and gave them to, like, sure. Whatever. It doesn't matter. They're all in Greece. They're all together. Yes. The Grease montage begins. The girls ride adorable motorbikes about the city, um, and they print out missing pants flyers, and then they post them everywhere. Tibby, in one area of the city, asks a fish market guy about Costas, um, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you just missed him. He went to go sell his fish. And Tibby lies to Lena, and she's like, a tourist found the pants um, and he's at the restaurant, so we need to go there. So they go to the restaurant. The gals see Costa selling his fish. They gush over how hot he is because they've never seen him in person. Yeah. Lena comes up and she's like, what are you guys looking at? 
and they're like, oh, we um, we just wanted to warn you that Costas is Oof. right there. So she tries to turn around and walk him away, but they're like, no, 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 he's already seen you. Go. They shove her in his direction. He tells Lena that he knew she was coming because Effie told him mm-hmm. and that he almost called her to ask her to meet him at his boat before he leaves tomorrow, but he wasn't sure if she'd remember which one it was. Uh, and where is he going, you might ask? He is going to grad school. I don't know what college. London School of Economics, LSE. Yes. It's a very, very good school. My man is intelligent and he loves to catch fish. Mm, what more could you want? There's nothing more to ask for. Yeah. <laughs> Stop asking for things. <laughs> so Lena's like, that's awesome. That's great. And he's like, it is so good to see you. I really hope that you'll be happy in life. And she wishes him the same. And he picks up her pants poster. And says that tonight is the full moon or the sailor's moon. And he hopes that it'll bring her luck and help her find what she's looking for. So Lena walks over back to the girls and just like, let's go. Yeah. So they all sit down at a table back at uh, Lena's grandmother's house. Everyone is silent. Lena looks very shaken up Mm -hmm. by this whole chat with Costas. And Carmen's like, okay, what happened? Lena says it's nothing, and Tibby's like, it's not nothing. Like, we came all the way here. We've been looking for him this – oh, 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 shit. They spill the beans that <laughs> – Tibby's got a big mouth. They did not, in fact, come here just to find the pants. They came to get her to talk to Costas, and they ask her why she didn't tell them that he's not married anymore. And she's yeah. like, it's over. It's done. Tibby's like, well, it didn't look over to me. And they ask her why she won't just, like – try and like mm-hmm. try again with him you know and lena's like because he broke my heart uh, and it really hurt and i don't ever want to feel this way again an amazing delivery from alexis bladell broke my heart when she said it mm-hmm. and tibby says that this is the kind of love that only happens once in a lifetime and she owes it to herself to at least try yeah that evening lena's in bed she can't sleep she goes to the window to see the full moon and Costas boat by the pier. So she just says, fuck it all, and goes down to the dock in her nightgown where Costas is waiting for her in his boat. And she hops in and they hug and kiss. And he's like, Lena Caligaris, we are terrible at not loving each other. And she's like, I tried to stop, but I couldn't. Ah. <sighs> And she asks what they should do. And he's like, we'll figure it out. And they make out. Oh, my goodness. Good for them. I'm not jealous at all. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) So in the morning, Costas drops Lena off at her house. They have one final wave where she sneaks back in. Yes. And the next morning, the girls walk by the cliffs. They tease Lena about Costas and try to figure out what to do if they don't find the pants. Then suddenly this man is diving off the cliff that they're by and Bridget's like immediately beelines yeah. to the cliff to run over and jump off herself. Um, and the girls try to stop her, but Bridget's like, no, let's all jump off together. And they have this really amazing moment where Bridget and Tibby and Lena jump and then Carmen jumps in as well. And like they all just 
have a ball. Yeah. They're like, we're going to risk it all, you know? Yeah. Then we get our last, our last little Carmen monologue. My favorite part of these movies. Yes. Sometimes I like to think that the pants got lost on purpose, that this was their final gift to us, bringing us back together, back to a place of forgiveness and love and an understanding that what we shared was all the magic we could ever need. And as we spent those last few moments of summer, looking out at the blending of sea and sky, I realized it was a color I knew very well, the softly faded, essential blue of a well-worn pair of pants. The pants had brought us together again. The rest was in our hands. I love that line. Yeah. I realized it was a color I knew very well. The softly faded yes. essential blue. Uh, new new bio, friends. I have I have goosebumps as we speak. I feel them. No, it's yeah. it's just the perfect little ending to this series. That is the sisterhood of the traveling pants too. Round of applause. Yeah. I mean, I love this movie. I I definitely like the first one more. Yeah. But I think this one is still so enjoyable, and I love that they all get to go to Greece together. Mm-hmm. Having that that final moment especially is, like, so gorgeous to watch. Yeah. This movie just explores female friendships in a really genuine way. I think, like, I, I don't see a lot of movies like this anymore where mm-hmm. a group of friends have um, what I would say, like, yeah, there are ups and downs, but a healthy relationship, like... I feel like the only thing that comes close is girls and that show is like like they are not good friends no <laughs> to each no. other so yeah it's just really refreshing really honest definitely delves into more hard to talk about topics mm-hmm. that you wouldn't necessarily think would be in like a teen movie definitely yeah it feels it feels so down to earth and yeah i really struggle to think about any sort of especially content about I guess they're not really teens. Well, I guess they're like 19 in this, but Mm -hmm. such young girls that feel so genuine and real and doesn't feel like this weird put on, like you just can feel that like it was a room of like writers and half of them are like old men that don't know how young people talk. Totally. Like completely. I feel like it's so hard to write genuine characters now. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's just like a lack of understanding, a lack of like people who know how to write well like yeah I I really appreciate that this movie feels like something that could have actually happened to me or like Mm -hmm. you know be about like me and my friends yeah definitely and I like that this movie kind of went a little bit further into the not necessarily the flaws of the characters but Mm -hmm. the flaws in their friendship group and showing those more so moments of conflict And when they kind of come up against each other that we didn't really get as much in the first movie, it's a little bit more idealized, their friendship. And this kind of dives into how difficult it is to maintain such a long-term friendship when you're going through different life phases. Yeah. And I feel like we've experienced that Mm -hmm. graduating from college. Yeah. But always knowing like at the end of the day that we would be there for each other feels good to like – feel like you can see yourself in the movie that you're watching. Definitely, yeah. As somebody who has had a lot of long-distance friendships because, you know, I, I grew up in Singapore and all my friends are, like, all over the world. And, you know, I went to school in New York and then I moved here, so all of my, like, really, really good friends live in New York. 
I know how difficult it is to to maintain that closeness. So I think that's one of the reasons why I love this series so much is seeing how that's explored, how you maintain closeness even from a distance. And that's something that we've all had to learn over the past year and a half. And I think it's super well done. I feel like the only thing that really I was missing from this movie is I wish that we got more... I wish we got a better storyline for Lena. I feel like both of the movies, her storylines were about the guys that she was involved with. Although the first movie more so explores like her learning to be bold and like kind of coming into her sexuality as a young woman. But I wish we got something a little bit different to show another side of Lena in this movie. Yeah, I wanted to like, I don't even know how they would have like made her art more of a focal point but they kind of like really glaze over the fact that she's always been an artist and that she like you know was sketching in the last movie and now she's going to RISD which is a a really incredible like art school so there's like a lot more to her that we don't get to find out about for sure yeah definitely maybe I should read the books because I'm curious to see what more meat is in there because I'm sure there's a lot there's four of them is this by Jodi Picoult no I'm thinking of um my sister's keeper. <laughs> yes, you are. Um, that being said, should we give it a rating? Absolutely. Gosh, this is a hard one. I I think I'm gonna go eight point five. Mm. I'm trying to remember what I gave the first one. I don't remember. I think I'm gonna go an eight, just because I was really missing that Lena character expansion. But I did enjoy it immensely, and I actually think that this movie has a slightly better pace to it than the first one i would agree with that but highly enjoyable guys go watch sisterhood 2 you won't regret it definitely not it's a great movie to watch if you're like i'm gonna stay in tonight you'd even do a double feature with sisterhood 1 sisterhood 2 absolutely well with that being said we are very excited to give you another installment of pod girl summer we'll be back next wednesday as well but in the meantime, if you did want to connect, our email is moviesthatraisedus at gmail.com. We love a good old-fashioned email. Um, and you can also DM us on Instagram at moviesthatraisedus. Yes, and you can also follow us on TikTok. It's moviesthatraisedusspod. And you can follow us on Twitter. It's mtru underscore pod. And we'll see you next week for more Pod Girl Summer. I'm Mo. And I'm Christina, and our theme song is by Garrett Schmidt. Bye. Bye.